book of Revelation chapter 3. The book of Revelation chapter 3 is where we're going as you're turning there. What a, what a week this has been to see what has happened. I want to certainly say that I am, I am certainly all for adoption. I'm certainly all for protecting the innocent, no matter what age they may be, no matter what race they may be. I am certainly for justice, and I am certainly for the fact that this week a 50-year stain on our nation uh, was in part taken back. You know that, amen, amen. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of wrongs in our world, and uh, but I'm not going to be mad because one of the wrongs was fixed. Let's continue fixing wrongs, but let's thank the Lord that that a wrong was fixed. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful my mama didn't have an abortion. I'm thankful that I'm here today. I'm thankful that the Lord has blessed me with life, and I want to tell you the devil is stirred up. The devil is stirred up about that. And I'm going to tell you, he may be stirred up, but I'm not scared of the devil because what I do believe is I do believe that through this, and I, someone I respect very, very much, Dr. Tony Evans. A lot of people have released a lot of things, but Dr. Tony Evans released uh, something something very great if you're on Facebook or you, I'm sure he's on his website. And I'm believing that this will help us. This will help us. I believe that when you take away that kind of sin, murdering it, and I'm going to be honest with y'all. For I didn't plan on saying this much about it. I watched a video last night that uh, of, of pieces of babies that were found behind abortion clinics, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's it's disturbing that that kind of thing has been able to go on. I believe that life begins at conception. Bible tells us, I, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you then. And uh, it's disturbing. I believe what, what Dr. Evans says. I believe that now that this is in part going to be taken away, of course, we know it's by each state will make up its mind. But I believe we're going to begin to see the hand of God, how he'll help us with some of these other things. Racism and, and some of these things. I believe when we take away this, this blight of abortion, this wrong of abortion, that God will then bless our land and we will begin to see how God will help us bring peace again in our communities. Get rid of racism. Get rid of hatred. Get rid of those things. I, I don't see how we can go wrong at all by ending ending that. Of course, if, if I know that in the last year or so, any time I speak against that, there's, I believe there's always forgiveness. Those that have had abortions, there's always forgiveness for that. Those that have had those abortions. God will forgive them. God will heal them. This is not a, a downing on those. It's one of those things that, hey, listen, last year at youth camp, y'all know, I, I put my hand up and cut my finger, had to get nine stitches. Listen, I'm not going to judge anybody else that cuts their finger, but I'm going to warn somebody, hey, you might not want to do that. Amen. We, we've stopped warning because we're scared of offending. I don't want to offend anyone. If, if you've had that, God will forgive you. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But if you haven't and you're thinking, I want to tell you that God, don't do it. I believe God can help you not to do that. I want to tell you I'm, I'm excited and I'm thankful that. Let's be in prayer. Be in prayer for our nation. 
let's be in prayer that the enemy won't win, that we won't see clashes, but God can bring this thing together with love and unity and that we can come together uh, as the people of God. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. We're going here this morning. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. I'm going to read to you from the King James Version. And unto the angel of the church, the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. But then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I want to speak to you as this world, as those of the 80s or so, you know a new movie has come out. Top Gun, that famous little, uh, that famous little song about the danger zone, and so I was getting ready for this and 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 deciding what to call it. And I wanted to call it Laodicea, the church in the danger zone. Would you pray with me? And I want to pray for you also, Father. Thank you so much for this time that we have together. Thank you for the worship, the praise that has gone forth already. I just ask that you would just touch every heart and life here. Those watching, maybe on YouTube, listening by podcast those here in the sanctuary. I pray that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit. I pray that the seed of the word would fall onto good ground. It would bring forth a multiplied harvest. And Lord, I ask that you would help me, God, as I preach your word. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that I need. Anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I ask that you let me preach like a man from another world. Let, my, let the word of God be like fire shut up in my bones here today. And Father, we give you the praise, the thanks, and the honor for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. Laodicea, the church in the danger zone. We find, first of all, that this church had a serious problem. And I believe as, as we study the book of Revelation, and many of you are probably familiar with this. If not, I'll give you very quick. People way smarter than me, scholars that have studied the Bible and know way more than I do. And they tell us that as Jesus, we know Jesus is addressing, first of all, at the time that this was written, as the time that he was giving this to John the Revelator, there were seven churches in the region of Asia Minor that were these churches. There was truly a church in Laodicea. And these letters, these, these messages from Jesus were to them specifically. But not only were they to them, many scholars look back and they see that these churches also represent different time periods in the church age. 
And I believe that we are truly living in this Laodicean age. Now, I know for those of you that have been in Pentecost very long, then you have heard these messages. You have heard a sermon on, or two on the, on the church of Laodicea about being lukewarm. But I truly believe that that is the era that we are living in today. We are living in this final area, era of the church age before Jesus Christ comes back to take his bride home. And I believe that the, that the problem, the major problem that we find in this. Now, of course, we know that we can go to all of these churches and find uh, the Word of God. Thank God. How many of you believe the Word of God is alive? It is alive. It's different than any other book. And we know that in, in these messages to each of these seven churches, we can find truths that apply to all of us and all of our churches. But as we look at this seventh church, as we look at the church of Laodicea, I believe that we are in that time, the time of the lukewarm church. And I believe that we look in this and we find something that does apply to us today, that this church had a very serious, serious problem. And that problem was that they were in trouble with God and they did not even realize it. You, you know, it, it seems like that that is the worst trouble when you're aware of the problem and you can start to do something about the problem, when you can find a solution to the problem. But the, prob the biggest problem of all is when you are in a place that you are in trouble and you're in a mess, and you don't even realize that you are in that place and that you have that problem. And folks, if that doesn't describe the church of America for the past 30 or 40 years, I don't know what does. That we have had a serious problem, and yet we did not even realize it. We can look back and we look at the Philadelphia church and Jesus talks about them and he said that they were on fire for him. And in fact, when he discusses the church at Philadelphia, God didn't mention a single bad thing about the church at Philadelphia. But the church at Laodicea was lukewarm and we find that in this case that God doesn't find one single good thing to say about the church at Laodicea. You say, why are you telling us this? Because I believe that if we're not careful, that's where we will find ourselves. And I truly believe, as my title gives, that it is the danger zone, that it is the most dangerous place that you can be. And if you tune me out or you get sleepy and you fall asleep, in fact, if y'all bring the lights up just a little bit more uh, now that I'm up here preaching so that nobody falls asleep on me, I believe that the most dangerous place that a Christian can ever be is in that lukewarm place because it's in that lukewarm place that we don't really realize that we are there and that my friend is the most dangerous place that you can ever be so we look at their condition he says they're lukewarm he said I know thy works thou art neither cold nor hot I would thou were cold or hot. So once again, we're reminded that Jesus knows our works. If you have a Bible with red letters, you, you'll find that this is Jesus speaking to John here. He is speaking to them, and he is reminding us that he knows our 
works. Now, I know that this is kind of simple sometimes, and it seems like it's old-fashioned, but I've come to realize in this day that we're in that I've just got to preach more and more about the basics and about the simple and get everybody up to speed here. And so can I remind you that we have a God in heaven that sees all and that knows all. He sees us everywhere we're at. He sees everything that we do. Nowadays, people know, the kids know that Santa Claus is watching them. Come on, somebody. They know that they, they sing the song that he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when. But we've forgotten to tell people that it's really Jesus that sees us at every moment, every moment in time, everything that we do. And not only that, the Bible tells us not only does he see the actions that we do, but he knows even the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Jesus is reminding us once again, I know thy works. I know you might can fool your pastor, but Jesus knows who you are. You might can fool your spouse, but Jesus knows who you are. You might can fool your Sunday school teacher. You might can fool your youth pastor or children's pastor. You might can fool the elders of your church, but I'm telling you that Jesus Christ knows exactly who you are and every thought and every intent of your heart. And then he pinpoints their position on the spiritual scale. One of the things that we hear so much today, can't nobody judge me. Can't nobody my judge. Can't nobody judge me. Well, you're wrong because there's one in heaven who is a just and a righteous judge. And he has every bit of right, and he will, and he does judge us. He pinpoints their position on the spiritual scale. Can I tell you that people get offended when we correct, and that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day of how we as a church can help one another and guide one another, and when we see one another in trouble, heading down a wrong path, how we can help one another. But I'm not even going to get into that. But today I am going to remind you that Jesus Christ knows us, and he truly is our judge judge and he wants to let us know where we are you may think you're right I may think I'm right but none of that matters the only thing that matters is are we in his will are we right according to what he says is right he said they're neither cold nor hot no real definition there they were in a mundane chloroformed state of existence they were still going through the motions over the years especially here in america the motions have kept going on haven't they worship services have gone on you know buildings have been built Things have gone on. They were involved in doing their own works. Things were happening. Things were going on. But they were not excited about God. Can I tell you, I've been pastoring almost 20 years, and I have found for a lot of my time of pastoring, it's how in the world can I just get people excited about God? 
How can I get people excited about coming to church? How in the world can I do it? You know what we've done? We've tried everything. Listen, I don't want to point fingers here today. We've done everything we can. We've tried to make it more entertaining. We've tried to bring in everything we can. We'll bring in a southern gospel group. We'll bring in Bozo the Clown. We'll do whatever we got to do to try to get people excited about Jeepo. Listen, I'm telling you today that as long as we are in a spiritually lukewarm state, I don't care what you bring in. You'll never get it. It's going to take you getting on fire for the Lord, and that will in turn make you excited about God. And I believe that if you're excited about Him, you'll also be excited about His church. This is not my church. This is not a denomination's church. I believe that this is God's church. We are the bride of Christ, and if you love Him, you will love the church as well. Amen. Give God praise this morning. The image we see here is a crumbling relationship of lovers. You see, Christ very clearly depicts his relationship to the church as that of a man and wife. In Ephesians 5 and 25, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. You see, we find the Laodicean church still claimed to be married to Christ, but they had lost the excitement of the relationship. G. Campbell Morgan said, lukewarmness is the worst form of blasphemy. It says, God, I still love you, but you just don't excite me anymore. He said, Jesus says, I would that you were cold or hot. Now, here's a paradox to many of us, because we'll say cold. Rather than lukewarm, I thought a little bit of religion was better than none at all. Well, I don't know who told us that or who tried to convince us of that, but that is absolutely false. Because God has a better chance of dealing with ice-cold churches than lukewarm churches. He has a much better chance of dealing with ice-cold people than he does with lukewarm people. Because when people are lukewarm, they feel like, they, hey, I'm all right. I'm not as bad as that one. I may not be as good as that one, but I'm not as bad as that one. But I'm okay. And therefore, that is why I believe it's the danger zone. It's the most dangerous place that an individual or a church could be in that lukewarm state where can't nobody tell them nothing and can't nobody convince them that they're not in the right place. He said, I'd rather you be cold because that cold person at least least realizes I know I'm wretched I know I'm a sinner I know I'm not right and there's more chance of them being touched by God than those that are lukewarm that lukewarm state is like an elevator stuck between floors like a car stuck in neutral useless stuck in a place where nothing is going right so we find the crisis. He says, and so because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So we look into that word spew, and we find that the Greek word, we dig back into that, and we, it comes from a word that means get something given to someone who has been poisoned to make them throw up. Now, I'm certainly not a medical expert, but over the years of, of stuff, you know, you find out, you know, if you eat something really, really poisonous or bad, if you can possibly, as quick as you can before it gets down into the digestive system, be able to throw it up. 
before it causes damage. Now listen to me here. This is, again, red letters. This is Jesus talking here. And he says to them, because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I am going to, he's referring to something that they're familiar with at the time. I am so, I don't want you so much that I am taking this thing that will cause you, I'm, I'm referencing this, that will cause you to throw up a poison that has been given. Near Laodicea were hot mineral springs. The water could only be drank hot. Lukewarm was nauseating. And God said, I will spew this kind of church out of my mouth. There's a little drink over there at Strange Brew. I think it's called London Fog. It's Earl Grey tea and some some cream. I'm not a big hot drink person, but Jamie loves coffee. And every once in a while, I'll go with her. On Thanksgiving, we rode the golf cart down there the strange room, she got a coffee, and I got one of those London fogs, and I started drinking it, and while it was warm, it tasted good, but when it started to cool off and just kind of get lukewarm, I didn't want any more of it, and God is telling the church and saying, I don't want you lukewarm. Of course, I don't want you to go to hell, but you've got, a, you've got more of a chance cold to listen then I'd, I'd prefer you be on fire for me. I'd prefer you be in love with me, but I'd rather you be completely cold because there's more of a chance because when you are lukewarm, you make me sick. So what's the cause? Well, really, he gives it to, it, he gives it to them pretty explanatory. I mean, there's some things that we kind of have to dig into, but... He really gives it to him pretty straight up. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. So I think that's pretty much safe for us to say here in America. I, I mean, we're one of the most blessed nations. We have all kinds of things. And sometimes we equate financial blessings. That, that means that everything's okay spiritually. And we'll also do it the other way. Well, if you're poor, there's got to be something wrong with God. No. Jesus is saying you're rich, you're increased with goods, you don't need anything, and you think that everything is A-OK. -okay. But he says, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We find that Laodicea at this time that there was great wealth. In fact, Laodicea, some scholars say that it was the banking center of Asia at the time. They had money. They were a money church. They had plenty of goods. But Jesus said, you really don't understand. You think everything is okay. You think you have need of nothing. But you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So what does Jesus do? I believe what he does is he shows the grace and mercy that I'm so thankful for. Because I told you already, 
you know, in Philadelphia, he had nothing bad to say about the Philadelphia church. Well, the church at Laodicea, he had nothing good to say. He talked about what a, what a bad place they were in. And, you know, we would think and we would say if we, if we were kind of in an Old Testament place, we'd be like, you done. I'm finished with you. If, you know, you, you're not getting anything. I'm finished with you. I don't want. But the good thing is, even in this church that was, he had nothing good to say. Still, he says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and him with me. I don't know about y'all this morning, but I'm so thankful that even though the Lord may look at me and say, Dennis Laughlin, you got a whole bunch of issues. He may look at the Starkville Church of God and say, Church, you got a whole bunch of issues. He may look at the church in America, the church in general, and say, Y'all some messed up folks. I'm not happy about anything that you're doing. That's what he did to Laodicea. But still he said, before he wrapped it up, but I'm still standing here knocking. Oh, my Lord, I'm about to shout whether nobody else does or not. I'm telling you, I'm thankful that God can look at a life that is messed up and nothing good he has to say about it, but he doesn't say, I'm done with you, I'm sending you to hell, you don't even have a chance. No, he says, but hey, I am standing here at the door, I am knocking, I am waiting. You don't even have to come and hunt me down. You don't even have to go out and try to find me something. I'm standing right at your door, and I'm knocking at your door, and I'm telling you that if you'll open the door you don't even have to come out he said I'll come in how awesome is that that we're the ones that have messed up we're the ones that have done wrong but yet he says remember he's talking here to the church this didn't even lost people he's talking to let me stop for a second and just remind us of that. This is the church. at La- These are Christian people he's talking to. And to the church, he says, there ain't a thing I'm happy about with you. But I'm standing there at your door. I'm standing right here. at you. You've messed up. You've done wrong. You've come short. I can't find anything good to say about you. You know what? I'm standing at your door. You ain't got to go off to somewhere and try to find me. You don't have to wander off in a desert somewhere. You don't have to wander off to some conference. You don't have to find some kind of famous evangelist. No, I am standing at your door, and I am right outside, and I am knocking. You don't have to work to relocate me. I'm standing outside your door knocking. And even, even when we're in a bad place and a bad position and living in sin, aren't you glad, even when you're not doing right, there's still something knocking on the inside of you. 
I won't ever forget Jensen Franklin preaching one time when I was at Lee. I can't remember whether it's for Lee or for North Cleveland. But I remember him preaching. And I remember how he would talk about after he got saved and he wanted to go and do wrong and he tried to go out and party one time. He couldn't even party because all he could think about, as soon as he tried to party, he'd think about knowing the ark and the flood. And get so convicted that he just couldn't do it. Aren't you glad that even when you're doing wrong, this is the church, remember, even when you're doing wrong, there's a knocking that Jesus is standing right there saying, don't forget about me. And then he says, you know, I know what I would say as a human. I'd be like, you know what, you messed up. You're going to at least have to come out to me. But he says, I'm standing, knocking, and if you'll open, remember, there, there is still something we got to do. If you'll open, I'll come on in, and I'll sit down, and I'll have fellowship with you. You know, there's, there's something about that. When you read that, when you read this of what he says, he says, I will come in, I will sup with him, and he with me. Listen, I've, there's been... You know, you, you can have official visits. You can have somebody come by, UPS man, FedEx man, Amazon come by, and, you know, they may step inside for just a minute and say something, but they're not there. Jesus doesn't even say, listen, I'm going to step in for a minute, and I'm going to, you know, say hey to you, but I'm done. No, he said, I'm coming. We're going to sit down and eat because that's what fellowship. Jesus is saying there, I don't want to just come by and just be cold to you. I'm going to come in, and we're going to have fellowship, and we're going to eat, and we're going to have time together as the musicians come and take their places. So the final thing that I want to look at today is the cure. So we found the problem, and we've even found why it happens. But what does he say in the cure? Verse 18, he says, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. This gold tried in fire represents faith. Everybody say faith. You see, we've got to have faith. This is still a faith walk, folks. This is still a faith walk. We have been able to walk in this thing so fleshly over the years, but God is saying what I need is I need you to walk a walk of faith. Faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I believe God is going to do that. He's going to begin to see us as we enter into more and more of these last days. It's going to take more and more faith. And how does that faith come? Unfortunately, y'all ain't going to shout me down on this, I know. But unfortunately, it's the gold tried with fire. True faith really only comes through going through some stuff. I know, I know that's not one of those things that you want to get up and do a Jericho march about. <laughs> but true faith really only comes. You don't really know how to trust in the Lord till you've had to trust in the Lord. You don't know what it is to walk by faith until you've truly had to walk through a situation. 
where it was the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, where you had to hope and believe and trust some stuff that you could not see, that you could not grasp. Gold tried by fire. White raiment. Scripture, we know that that always represents righteousness. Once again, not another, not another popular message. But the Lord is looking for a church that will be pure, that will be holy. I was riding with Jaden. We took the dog up to Houston for Mama to watch for us over this next week at camp. As we were riding back, I was talking to Jaden and telling her about how when you study the history of, of this modern-day Pentecostal movement, that the Church of God was formed as the Christian Union back in 1886. And for 10 years, it was a holiness church before it was a Pentecostal church. From 1886 to 1896, it was a holiness church. And then in 1896 at Shearer Schoolhouse, the Holy Ghost was poured out. The Holy Ghost would be poured out over on Azusa Street, be poured out in Kentucky. But here's the thing, before the power of God ever came, the people had to decide that they were going to be holy. Now, I don't believe that holiness just simply means, because there's been, there's been some folks over the years that had beehive hair and no makeup, and they weren't holy. They were full of hatred. Now, I do believe that, and Lord knows as we've been in camps with high schoolers the last couple of weeks, I believe that it will mean that you dress decent, not provocative, men and women. Man, y'all are quiet this morning. I didn't know that's what y'all get the quiet. Y'all must be wanting to go out in your bikinis or something here in a little bit. But the white raiment represents righteousness and holiness. If, if we want to find the cure... We're going to live right again. We're going to live how God, we're going to live how this book tells us to live. He says he wants to anoint our eyes. Anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now I could go really twofold there because I believe that your eyes are going to tie in. I was reading just the other day of how what you allow to come into you. Jesus was talking about it. Really, what you allow, you see, whenever. I'm thankful. I don't know about y'all. I like pork. I'm glad in the book of Acts that, that Peter had the vision. And the Lord said, take, eat. And we can eat pork and stuff now. And Jesus teaches, talking, hey, listen, it's, it's, not about, it's not about what comes into your body through your mouth. But you know what makes you clean or unclean? What you allow here, here. I know that's more of that holiness preaching there, but anoint thy eyes with eye salve. You see, God, I believe it's twofold, I say, because you need to be careful. You know, we used to sing that song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. So I believe that it's in one way it is what we see, but I believe... There's also a second part of that. When he wants to anoint our eyes, he wants us to see what we can't see in the natural. 
God wants to begin to show his people some things. I certainly, you've heard me preach this enough, I believe, by now. I know that none of us know prepare us. Prepare us for when he's coming back. Prepare us for what he wants to do. I believe God's got a revival coming before the Lord comes back. I truly believe that. I've been in, I done been in, I've been in too many services over the last three weeks with young people. For you to tell me different than God is getting ready to pour out his spirit at least one more time before Jesus comes back. I believe there's revival coming, but we need to begin to say, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see. Let me see what it is you want me to do. Let me see what it is that you would have. How can I? How can I help you? How can I work for you? How can I work for the kingdom? How can I do what you want? Let me see what you see. Let me see things how you see it. Let me look at this world the way that you look at it. I I don't want to see it how Fox News tells me or how CNN tells me. I want to look at this world by the way you want me to see it. I want to see people that way. I want to see people the way God sees them. I want to see the most helpless, hopeless person that, that doesn't have anything to offer seemingly. I want to look at them the way that God does. Stand with me all over the building if you would. to pray that the Lord would set us on fire for him. I want us to pray that the Lord would help us to be careful. I've been in this thing for quite a while now, not just pastoring, but then as I go back, how long I've been in church and I've seen things. And I continue to say the most dangerous, dangerous place that anybody can be is in that danger zone of lukewarmness. Unfortunately, I've seen it so many times throughout the years people that are on fire for God and suddenly you can begin to watch them you can begin to see signs of how they begin to kind of back up a little they begin to kind of move away from the Lord move away from the church they're not quite as excited not quite as on fire as they used to be and folks I found that when they're in that danger zone it's hard you try to warn them and they just don't want to listen You, you try to encourage them but they just don't want to listen Jeremy Smith will tell you is even over this past couple of weeks as he was sharing with some of these kids as he's dealing with so many down there and their drug and alcohol addiction so many times it's not until they hit absolute rock bottom that they are willing to listen so here's what I want to do Starkville Church of God I want to bring us this warning I, the Lord just put this on my heart this week throughout services and different things and I was just drawn to this So here's what I want to give. I want to give the warning to us. I want this to be a time of prayer to say, Lord, don't let me get lukewarm. Don't let me enter that danger zone. Don't let me enter that place where I'm not so cold that I can obviously see. Don't let me be in that place where I won't listen to anybody and anything, where I feel like I got everything together, but you're looking at me saying you're blind and wretched and naked. Bring me to that place where I'm on fire for you. 
Oh, God, I've got to stop here. I've got to stop here. Listen, I've got, I just got a burden. I've got a burden right now. Please, 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 please. I wish everybody in this house would be a part of this and say, Pastor, I want to pray that the Lord would help me. Because any of us, any of us, Scripture tells us, be careful when you say you aren't going to be the one that would fall. Be careful to be the one that say, oh, I'd never do that. I'll never slip. I'll never get away from God. You better be careful. But I'm telling you what's a burden on my heart today is that we come to this altar and we come with that burden and that passion to say, Lord, please never let me slip to that place. Please keep me in your grip of grace. Please don't let me enter that danger zone. To where nobody can tell me anything and I think everything's okay, but you're looking at me and you know it's not. This is an altar call just like I told you. These red letters, it was given to the church, it was given to Christian people. I'm giving an altar call to Christian people today. And saying, if this is you, you say, Pastor, I want the Lord to help me to never enter that danger zone. Would you come and just find a place to kneel? Here in these altars, up on these steps and these altar benches, if you've got to use the front pews, that's fine. But this is a call to Christians. This is a call to the church to say, Lord, help me never get into that danger zone. Help me to never, or maybe even you're bold enough to say, Lord, am I in that danger zone? Have I gotten into that place where I'm not willing to listen to your spirit? I'm not willing to listen to your word. I'm not willing to listen to the preacher. Have I gotten there? Would you open my eyes, oh Lord? Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Come on and find you a place up here. Come on and find you a place up here and say, Lord, let me never get in. Let me never get into that danger zone, oh Lord. Lord, let me never get into that place, that place of lukewarmness, that place, oh God, that I don't ever want to be. Help us, oh Lord. Help us, oh Lord. Help us, oh Lord. Help us, oh Lord. Oh, God, set us on fire for you. Set us on fire for you again, oh, Lord. Lord, I know you said it. You'd rather us be cold or hot than lukewarm, but I know what you really prefer. You really, ultimately, you want us to be on fire for you. That's your number one. You want us to be on fire for you, and I pray that you would set a fire in the hearts of every person here today in Jesus' mighty name. Let a holy fire begin to burn in the inside of us, Lord, like it never has before. Help us to stay away from that danger zone, oh God. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit. Help us, oh Lord, to buy gold, that gold tried in the fire. God, we're going to have to go through some stuff. Lord, there's probably some people right now that's going through some stuff and they need the help of God. If you're here today and you'd be so honest to say, I'm going through some stuff, would you put your hand up right now and just say, I'm going through some stuff right now. Come on, leave those hands up. If you see somebody with their hand up around you, would you just lay their, your hand on their shoulder and pray for them? Lord, help them. They're going through some stuff, God. But Lord, I believe that they'll be like gold tried 
in the fire, God, that their faith, Lord, that their faith will be strengthened through this, that they're not going to fail because of this, that they're not going to quit because of this, but, Lord, you're going to use this to strengthen them. In Jesus' mighty name, strengthen them through this. Oh, Jesus, and that, that white raiment, that righteousness, that holiness, oh, God. Help us to live holy lives. Lord, and that we wouldn't just be an exterior thing. Jesus, you were talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You told them, you're like whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside but full of dead men's bones. That's not what I want to be there, oh, Lord. But I pray that you'd help us to truly be holy and sanctified and pure, oh, God. But, Lord, it's not just a facade and it's not just a front. But, God, we're living holy lives. Lord, anoint our eyes that we would be careful what we watch, what we see, what we allow to come in. And Father, that we allow our eyes to be anointed of you, that you would change our perspective, that you would change our viewpoint. God, that we don't see things through the lens of a Democrat or a Republican, that we don't see things through the lens of Fox News or through CNN. That we don't see things through the eyes of a Caucasian or an African American or an Asian American. But we see things through the eyes of Christ. And that we would look at everybody around us the way that you do, oh God. No matter how much they got, no matter how, how messed up they may be. No matter what color their skin may be, God, help us to look at people through your eyes. Anoint our eyes with that eye salve, oh Lord. And that we would see people the way that you see them. As precious souls who you gave your life for. Who you shed your blood for, oh God. And in every ministry that goes on in this church, let that be in our Compassion Pantry, in our VBS, in every ministry, every time we come together in this house, oh Lord. Lord, as classes begin back in Mississippi State this fall, that we would see people through those eyes, through the eyes of Christ. Set us on fire for you, I pray. Set us on fire for you, I pray, O oh Lord. Set us on fire for you, I pray, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. 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 Listen, I know we got church tonight, and if you need to go, I understand, but I still feel led. I know there's some people, and you got some loved ones, and, and they may be in that danger zone right now. And you want to pray for them. Let's just start praying for them right now. There's some prodigals. There's some prodigals out there that are in the danger zone. But I believe that God can bring them out in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for those right now. We pray for those that are in the danger zone. I thank you for what you said, Jesus. Even though we're in the danger zone and we think we got everything together, still, you're standing at the door knocking. I pray, oh God, for some sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, nieces and nephews, friends, oh Lord, that are in the danger zone. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd start knocking louder than you ever have before. That you'd start beating on the door if you got to. Lord, that they would hear the knocking of the Savior saying, I haven't given up on you. I haven't quit on you. I'm still here knocking. Jesus. Keep knocking Jesus. Somebody just needs to say that over your lost loved one. Keep knocking Jesus. Keep knocking Jesus. Keep knocking on the door. Let them know that you're outside waiting. Keep knocking Jesus. Keep knocking Jesus. Keep knocking Jesus. Knock even louder. Pound on the door if you got to. Let them know you're still there. outside of here, lives outside of here that are being touched here today. God, we praise you and we thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Don't forget, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock this afternoon, please come back. We've got guests. Don't let us be.